0: Gaming and BS, episode 105, PC Safe Zones. Welcome to Gaming and BS, a tabletop RPG podcast. And one of your hosts, Sean... And I'm Brett.
1: I'm back from QCC. I made it in one piece.
0: He's back. Thank a Phil, Chris, Senda, Bob, Bob oh my God. I John,
1: the, the people out there. Everybody out there. Quiet, thanks. Wayne.
0: Thanks for returning. Wayne, thanks for returning Brett in one piece. <laughs> in one piece. I appreciate it because I sure is gaming an S though a, a kind of a dream of mine. <laughs> the name oh, kind of it would the main name would be all messed up. It's not that I
1: didn't have offers to work for other companies, Sean, but I turned them down. All those dirty bastards I, tried
0: I to poach it. you, didn't they?
1: they? They did. A few people did try to poach Son me, but I, uh, especially Wayne from Advanced Insight. You know, Paul. Uh, Wayne was pushing pretty hard. Plied me with whiskey. He did, but I still turned them down. It was he, tough.
0: What are you gonna do? Yeah, what are you gonna do?
1: It's the face, right?
0: You had a good time, though, <laughs> right?
1: Yes, I did. It was a freaking
0: great time. So I
1: guess we'll just, I'll do this
0: now. I mean, so, what are you going to do? Say it was like a shitty time? No, it was. That it was sucked so ass.
1: It is a, it's a, it's a fair size con. When I say fair size, we're talking like under a thousand people. It is intimate, like game hole, where uh, John Wick was there. John came in on Friday morning and I'm sitting there bullshitting as, as one does with Chris Nizak from Mr. Active Mark. i he and I are talking Hey, here comes um, <clears throat> here comes out uh, Mark uh, Sean Gilgore. Sean Gilgore comes up. I see Mark Nappik. I'm talking to him a little bit. Mark's going crazy because he's running the con, right? So brief talk. In comes John Gilgore's taking care of him. John comes over and just starts talking to us. Hey, John. I'm Brett. Hey, blah I, said, I met you many ages ago, but you're obviously not gonna remember me. Ha ha ha. Off we go. We start talking about game theory, um, just different stuff. What are you doing? How have you been? Where have you been? And then next thing I know, I'm playing 7C with John Wick. And the next thing you know, after that, Wayne. Wayne, my brother, out there sets me up with a copy of Seven C. That crazy. So note. I now have a hardcover copy of Seven C, and of course, I got John Wick to sign it while I was out there.
0: I knew, I knew when I saw you playing that game, <laughs> you saw the picture. I'm like, dude, it's <laughs> gonna come back with a copy, or it'll can. be on his to do list to buy. Yeah,
1: <clears throat> so it was great. Um, so Wayne, advanced insight, and I gotta say, I started. <clears throat> If you're so, not listening to Advanced Rent Advanced Insight, you need to give these guys a, a listen. So where's the we, good, what's their website? What's their website? Oh, let's see. It's out there. I have it. Doo 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 doo. Um I also have uh, his other uh website out there, comms.visionary.ca, vision uh, visionary comms out there. Um uh, that's there. He's uh, they're in the misdirected mark um Network uh, of shows. Network, network of shows. So go out to the misdirected mark website and you can get to uh advanced Insight. It's a heck of a show. I was listening to it again today, and D and D focus, um, but it has Sean. They've they've kind of captured and uh, taken some of our back and forth banter, and probably improved it. I would Aww. say they. You know, I mean,
0: I mean, you can't, it can't. You can't go down. <laughs>
1: well, exactly. Nice. You can only go up from here. We right. set the bar low enough; anybody could step over it. That's that's our job, right? Yeah,
0: we're like a crack in the sidewalk. Well, we're, we're like a. Grand Canyon crack
1: in the sidewalk. In and the sidewalk the that people can, over. yeah,
0: people can merely step over where Brett and I are still climbing out of that <laughs> crack.
1: Yeah, um, got to meet John Arcadia and Angela Murray, Angela, and I had the wonderful chance to game with her in uh, Chris's Night's Black Agents. Uh, Sean Merwin got to meet the the uh, Mad Wizard Merwin. That was cool. From Down with D and D, is he and, really? And is he really mad?
0: Is. is he really mad though? He seemed happy,
1: but I think it was kind of a crazy happy. So that was
0: neat. Well, then it was mad. A little bit of mad. Mad is a cuckoo, man. <clears throat>
1: yeah, mad is cuckoo, man. man right. Uh, Emily and Senda from She's a Super Geek. I even got a chance to record a She's a Super Geek episode. I don't know when it will drop, but uh, Phil, Chris, yeah. Phil, Chris, uh, Senda, Emily, and I did that. That was a lot of fun. I'm not going to talk about the game or anything like that, but it was a lot of fun. We had a good time. Uh, Victor Wyatt was out there. Uh, it was awesome to see Victor. Just got it. Uh, Chris was driving us, driving him back to the hotel after we had uh, dinner one night, and we just talked. And he's Victor, you're such a smart guy. Tons of fun. God, who else did I run into out there? I'm trying to think. I think I covered everybody. I think. Oh, um, you're gonna miss somebody. Flanagan, Tom Flanagan, yeah. and his brother Mike. Those guys are awesome. I playing with uh with Tom and Chris's uh, Ravenloft game we played the we, we recorded, and I'm gonna be kicking off an Avalon game with Chris Emily. Kev Thulu and uh, also Tom Flanagan will be in that as well. That starts this Wednesday, but uh, those guys were fun. Flanagan was a blast. He was just, <laughs> he's a great guy. Uh, he got in the, the kill the Tarasca game that uh, that Arcadian was running, and that was a hoot. It took us like four hours of four 15th level characters, but we took down a goddamn so That was fun. It was a blast. I, I know I probably missed somebody. I hope to God I didn't miss anybody. But anyway, loads of fun. Uh, a great group, super welcoming, very inviting, and it feels like it wasn't, <clears throat> and I know somebody's going to say, well, that's because they know who you are, Brett, blah, blah, blah. I, everybody there, people I didn't know, I sat down with the game, a John 7C table, I was playing again with the Tarask thing, Flanagan and I knew each other, I didn't know the couple playing with us. Everyone, it was just great gamers, everyone was getting along, it was a hell of a good time, and if you can get out there, I strongly encourage you to go. They put on a damn good show. Um, I told NAPIC at one point, I said, how's it going? He said, pretty good. I said, well, I'll tell you what, Mark, from where I'm sitting outside as a customer, it was running smooth. I said, if you're on hair on fire behind the scenes, you guys are killing each <laughs> other in panic. I don't see it. And Mark said, that's exactly what I was going for. I said, I'll tell you right now, man, you're running a huge goddamn project and none of your customers can tell there's any problems.
0: Don't look behind the curtain. It's Mount Vesuvius back there. But
1: you never knew it. I mean, seriously, you didn't know it. Yeah. You know, it reminded me a lot of how... Uh, slick the guys at game hole have it as far as it's just running things are happening you have a question you ask a uh, con manager boom they have an answer for you ask any of the volunteers boom they have the right answer they get you where you need to go it was awesome sean i'm hoping i'm hoping next year if i can go it's a sean and brett tour maybe a motorcycle right yeah we'll
0: right out to buffalo yeah i, I want to go over niagara falls in a bucket in a bucket. <laughs> well, not even a barrel, just a little bucket. Well, I that.
1: That'll be how you can tell that <laughs> Advanced Insight, uh, Insight post me is that we'll have a picture of Sean in a bucket going over in Niagara. There you go.
0: The show, yeah. is, the show is Brett's.
1: <laughs> well, he's gone.
0: All, all right, right, we better get you. this going or we're going to run long, dude.
1: We are going to. Uh, Evercon.org. Uh, my buddy Kev Thulu mentioned him. <clears throat> he's hooking us up with some uh, games on demand. Set up for Evercon. So we're gonna get our little uh, rendition of games on demand going there. And as always, Evercon.org, check us out. Hopefully, people can make it. Start your gaming year off right in January. Uh and bonus BS episodes. Um, kind of back to the game whole thing. If you're running a game under our banner and we have not, we i.e. Sean has not yet gotten a blurb from you on uh, kind of a audio rundown of what your game's about and so forth, contact us and uh we can get something listed up there.
0: Completely optional. It does not yeah, have to be done. Absolutely. It's really a comfort absolutely. level. Some people don't like to get on the mic. That's cool. Totally. So uh we got a few people like today, well, yeah, today, uh as of January January. <laughs> I'm a few months behind. September twelfth, um, twenty sixteen, Jason Rayther um talked about his call of Cthulhu game that he's running. Sweet. Um so yeah, yeah, yeah. Lots of good games, lots of good GMs. It's gonna be fun, fun, fun. Some of our events are already full, but nonetheless, Um, we are welcoming more GMs if you want to run. I mean, even if, even if you can't register and it's after like they're taking events and you want to kind of pimp us, to pimp your game at game hole, we want it to be filled. And yeah, there's open gaming, off
1: grid gaming all over the freaking place at game hole. So absolutely.
0: Doesn't have to be an RPG. Could be a board game too. Board game, CCG, whatever you want to do. Miniature game. That's cool. We'll pimp it out. Very Cool. All right, man. I
1: think we should go on to a random encounter. All right,
0: that's that's my cue. It is random encounter. It's gonna be a short week on random encounter because obviously we did the thirty-one days of RPG a day on the last episode. There's, you know, there's a couple comments, but obviously it's uh, fairly limited. You want to start off with uh, Steve? Sure. Yeah.
1: Steve Orick wrote in <clears throat> said non-gaming question. Brett. In reference to making a deal with the devil, you said, call up old Scratch and see if he'll get the paperwork rolling. Was that a reference to the movie Crossroads with, well, Ralph Macchio? If so, bravo, sir. You're my new hero. Well, Steve, I hate to to say no, but no, it wasn't. Um, It actually comes from my uh, Bad Magic game that I was running. I I mentioned uh, Scratch, and someone said, oh, you mean old Scratch. Oh, great. Um, But it was just the old uh, term for the devil. It had nothing to do with Crossroads with Ralph Macchio. I feel like you need to watch that movie just so I can see what that was about.
0: Now you probably either they stole it from you or you stole it from them. I mean, it can't, it can't coexist in the same space. That's possible.
1: I'm going to go find Ralph Macho and find out what the fuck he's doing with my stuff. That's what I'm going to find out. Well, that's a good approach. seems legit. Anyway, Steve, sorry to let you down, man. Hopefully I could, I may not be your hero now, but maybe I'll earn it later.
0: Yeah. There's still time. There's still time. Back to you, Sean. What was the funniest misinterpretation of a game rule in your group? Jason Rayther writes in, During the mid-90s, TSR released some splat books in a desperate attempt to stave off bankruptcy. One of these was Combat and Tactics, which had some fun critical hit charts. Oh, I remember that. I remember those. When our group decided to incorporate those rules, we missed one important detail. PCs were allowed a death save to avoid the negative effects of a critical hit. Whoops.
1: Boom, too bad. Boom, too bad.
0: <laughs> Dropping like old flies. School, old
1: school rolemaster on that shit.
0: During the very first session with these new rules, the PCs went into a dungeon and ran into a group of bugbears. Arms and legs were flying everywhere. <laughs> Arms and legs. <laughs> At least one of them was permanently blinded. When the group emerged from the dungeon two encounters later, every single PC was maimed in some horrifying and debilitating fashion. It was fucking awesome, and I've considered using the rules as we played them in every game going forward.
1: <laughs> that's funny. Great
0: episode, guys. Looking forward to seeing you at Game Hole, Jason. Oh, oh my God, Jason, that's that's awesome. That is hilarious.
1: That's what I could see doing that myself, right? You look at oh, critical hit charts. <coughs> Excuse me, you don't bother to check the rules like around the critical hits before or after. You're like, fuck it, critical hit charts, bam, bam, bam. I know how to use these. Arms and legs are flying. Ears are like getting lopped off. Pancreas are falling out. And you're like, oh, sorry, guys. Should have been a host of death saves back there. Sorry about that.
0: <laughs> ah. Oh, that's fucking funny. <laughs> Some funny shit, man. That is hilarious. Thanks, right, guys, right. for writing in. Let's get into the topic. Yeah, topic. All right, Brad, give us the lowdown, man. What are we talking about? All way? right.
1: Edwin, last episode, he wrote in, talked about um PC safe zones. And we're not talking about like X cards or anything like that. We're talking about those safe houses, places where your PCs can kind of rest and recoup.
0: It's like uh <clears throat> it's like when you're playing tag,
1: right? Yes. I'm safe. Goal. I'm on goal, safe. I'm on T, yeah. Yeah. All right, then well, that's it. So he said <clears throat> yeah, it's totally it. Um so he said, Do you allow your PCs somewhere where they can store items without fear? Can heal and plot without worry when you uh, when do you break that tacit agreement and have the robbers hit them at home oh I, I saw them like oh yeah it brought me back it brought me back it did one of my favorite things that would happen in uh, Vampire was that the guys would have a safe house <clears throat> actually let's go back to the safe house Um, there was an old bar in uh, Milwaukee Wisconsin that has closed that if you'd ever been to Gen Con of Milwaukee at some point you ended up at the safe house which it's still so around isn't it I think it's closed. No, I believe it is closed, but it was a spy theme bar had like walls that would shift and move and craziness. It was a lot of fun. Anyway, they had the safe house or safe houses. And it wasn't long after that. I I saw how complacent they were becoming with the safety of said safe house that I blow the motherfucker up and they have to go find themselves another safe house. Um, so even though in, that was in vampire in a city, um, and so forth, but Sean, have you ever, even in D anD D or any of the games you've run or played in, um, do you have you had a safe house or allowed your players to have such a thing—a castle, a keep, or something that was like the safe place they could go there and w- without worry of any intrusions from monsters or bad guys, do what they want?
0: It, Brett, it's only been one hundred and five episodes, man. My players have nowhere that they can be, their player characters and players have no, there's no, there's nowhere they can run and hide and be safe. Well, if you step off the train, you get run over. The very good point, Brett.
1: <laughs> ask, ask any rail hobo that's lost an arm due to a, a miscritical hit in the old splatbook system.
0: That's right. Train <laughs> runs over appendage. But even back in the day when
1: you were playing or running D anD D, did you ever have that where you had you guys built a keep or something, and then you had a place where your characters would go back to? Oh, we're done with this goblin infested whatnot. We'll go back, go back home essentially and rest up.
0: Yeah, I think uh, many there is certain places, but I think it's established. So yes, the answer is yes, Brett. So from my excuse me, kind of my
1: voice is cracking bad here. Anyway, I think the um. There's value in it, right? And from the player's perspective, I think the, the the value is pretty bloody obvious, right? Like, hey, we can go do a thing, and then Allah, if, I don't know if anybody out there has played um, the old Diablo um, 1 or 2, so on and so forth, uh, video games. But you could go out, do a thing in a dungeon, go back to the town, and it was safe. It was a place you could get stuff, do things. It was a safe haven. Say so you weren't attacked. <clears throat> so that's always nice. And you could stash stuff. Um, have a home where you can put things and from a GM's perspective, it's also handy because there's a time when the players like, look, we need, you know, we have had a great encounter, <clears throat> had this big adventure, whatever's going on. And you're like, look, yeah, you know, we're going to call, we're going to call it for the night. You guys are done with the adventure. Everything's cool. It's all wrapped up. And the players go, can we just get back to the safe house back home or to the keep or to the castle or what have you? So, yeah, you guys get back to the fort, get in there, get a room at the end, Everything's calm, everything's cool, a week will pass, blah, 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 or whatever it is you do. Even if it's not a standard, regular safe house or a safe place for people to go to or safe zone, even if it's an ad hoc one, like, yes, Brett, you and the group get back there and you rest up. I think there's some value in that because sometimes the players, you need to have a break in the action, right? And it's a good idea to have, uh, have the players have the opportunity to go somewhere where they do feel safe for a little bit instead of uh, constantly <laughs> on their guard and always waiting for the next thing to hit them. Now, granted, there's a time and a place for that. But sometimes from a story beats perspective or even just from the um, development perspective of your character or allowing the other the player characters to, to develop, you might want to have them be able to go back somewhere, talk to a sage, do something, do some of those downtime things we talked about a couple episodes ago, give them a place to do that stuff. Are you with me, Sean? Or are you thinking I'm a little crazy? Any other value props you can see with us? Brad? I always think you're crazy. Yeah, I know. I'm waiting for you to, vo- to voice it with Verve.
0: We tend to, in many games, there is usually a safe place established um, at some point. Now, I don't know how we don't really get into the stashing of the goods. Because, of course, in the most uh, majority of the games that I'm involved in, everybody carries around 3,000 pounds of stuff. Yeah, because fuck those big comments rules. Fuck them right in the air. That's why. We don't like any of that crap. A bag of holding, dude. They can You know, <laughs> exactly. a small pickup truck and a trailer. It's all in there. It's all good. But even if it's not a
1: place to stash stuff, it's a place to rest one's weary head, right? Just to yeah, recuperate.
0: There is. And it's usually, obviously, some establishment. Um Now. Going back to what Edwin was talking about, and maybe you're going to get into that, but when do you spring something on them at their safe place? Absolutely. That is definitely next. One thing that we did do um, for a Shadowrun game relatively recently is my buddy Jimmy was running it. And, of course, we got in contact with a group, bad side of town, don't remember what city, but it had to do with... Um, you know, kind of being part of the group that owned a nightclub. Oh, okay. Okay. And so the nightclub ended up being our kind of safe house. So we would go there. I mean, we, we, we'd get access to the back room. Nobody else had access except for some runners that were obviously well connected with the owner. The owner put us, was kind of our, uh, Mr. Mrs. It was actually female, Mrs. Johnson, That would give us missions to go on and to help her with whatever was going on. So, you know, we would go out from that kind of central hub, but yeah, um, we did have shit hit the fan there once.
1: I think that's, uh, the other thing that's important, like from a story beat perspective is if it's always safe and there's always this place you can go, nothing bad ever happens there. Excuse me. It almost becomes too much. Like it's too safe. That safety blanket needs to be lit on fire every once in a while. The downside, of course, is that if you do that too much, there's no, there's never a safe place. That can be a theme, right, of a game where you're like, look, there's no safe way to run. You are on the run. Every government, um, you know, break out the chase mechanics, boys, because you're running all the way across between Europe to, you know, to the Ukraine. There's just no safe place for you to go. Go, go, go. I think you have to, uh, from a game master perspective do that periodically you have to bring some of the it's just a great place for the npc bad guys who've been tracking you the enemies you've made and so on and so forth once the team my signal has always been is the is the group complacent with their safety yes oh time to fuck some shit up man because as soon as they get complacent to something then it's a good opportunity to start poking with them yeah one of my favorite things i would do with uh with vampire characters was that vampires or even um, non-supernatural characters is that they they'll be so complacent in their own strength. Like, Hey, um, to use the vampire analogy, look, I'm an undead God of Chicago. <laughs> I'm kicking ass on the prince's right? hand man, nothing back could happen to me. Yeah. Some stupid human hunter groups may not want us vampires around, blah, blah, blah. I've killed all these people, so on and so forth. And every once in a while, someone would wake up the next night with a wooden stake right next to their pillow that they know they didn't put there or they would wake up slowly at noon because their house was on fire. Their Haven was on fire and all their ghouls are dead or wake up. It's on fire and there's a wooden stake through their heart, which in that game system paralyzes them. They can't do shit. Um, there's always, it, it It makes for some really cool drama to, again, if you, if you sparing it, if you do it too much, it becomes, it, it can become it's boring like dead babies. Too many dead babies makes that boring too. As, as, as I know, um, Anyway, if you do it if you use the opportunity to add some drama into it and so forth, then it's like, "Oh my God, it's like a home invasion. One of the reasons it's so terrifying and everything is because it's your house. it's the safest place that you know of or that you live all the time. All your stuff is there, the people you know and love are there, and then when a thing comes in and invades that sacred, safe space, it gets scary, much worse than if yeah, well, we're <laughs> we staked out this room in the bun and you know at the bottom of you know under mountain we're guardian for orcs. Oh shit. Goblins came up. i we got to fight them. This is your home. And there's something that can, there's something really visceral that can be from a frightening perspective. It is a great escalation point for that NPC bad guy, the mover, the shaker, and she's behind the scenes and she's had enough of your character shit. And she says, you know what? Sean, Angela have been running roughshod over my NPCs. And, uh, guess what? She found out where you guys live. And, uh, you know, the evil dark mistress says, I've had enough of that crap. And <laughs> next thing you know, Sean and Angela are running for their life out of a burning building, carrying, you know, just what they, what they can carry in their hands and their nightshirts. That's it. Um,
0: my 3000 pounds of shit,
1: <laughs> 3000 pounds of shit, because fuck those encumbrance rules.
0: That's right. <laughs> <Anyway>. <laughs> I got a donkey. It, I got a donkey. He's fine. A, he didn't yeah. get yeah saddlebags, donkey good... backpack. I'm good. So have you ever,
1: so Sean, have you done that as a game master or had that done to you as a player? Where I mean, we talked about a little bit with the with the set with the Shadowrun thing, but do you have any other opportunities or something maybe that you did to people?
0: Uh, not that I have done to people that I can recall. I think the Shadowrun one was the it was the most recent game that we had run. And the interesting about I'm kind of backtracking a bit, but there's there's the safe house that the PCs kind of establish. And then there's, in in the Shadowrun game, it was more driven by the GM. So I think that's a difference, too. I don't know if we've really hit that home, but.
1: Well, let's explain. What What do you mean? What do you mean by that? So it's, like, the game was driven by or the safe house was driven by?
0: The the players, many times, in my experience, will establish a place to that they will, whether it's like a church or maybe it's a, an N, they go into town, they venture out, maybe even just the town. They venture out from the town, they do their thing, it gets dangerous. They need a safe haven. They go back to town, it's safe there, or they go to the end specifically, knowing it's safe there. Right. So they establish that. Like the GM is just setting that up, boom, there. Okay. With the Shadowrun game, the way Jimmy did it. Like everybody's nodding their head. Oh yeah, Jimmy. I know Jimmy. Oh yeah, J- Hell, H- H- shadow Shadowrun oh, yeah, Game right. Master. Everybody knows that. Uh Running a game at Game Gamehole. Um, of course he is. So Jimmy, he he kind of said, as an NPC, he he played the NPC female owner of the club and said, from here on out, you guys can use this facility to to operate out of, like. Mikasa is Sukasa.
1: <clears throat> okay, so he brought the safe house to you in-game. Correct. The game master. It wasn't like at the start of the game saying, you guys are adventuring into the, you know, forest of peril. And from the fore- before the forest of peril is the, you know, the outpost of Sir Whomever-Lot, and therefore you'll just lay from the outpost. That wasn't a... Um, uh, an idiom or... God, it's a horrible phrase. I can't think of a better one. But it wasn't a conceit of the story at the beginning. It was something that developed in the game. After you did a job or something?
0: Correct. We, I don't even know how we got involved. I don't know if somebody kind of solicited us in game to do a job and we were to meet at the club. We met at the club, kind of got the details, went on the job, completed the job, came back to the club, kind of said, Hey, we're, we're done. We're here for payment, blah, blah, blah. Based on that in the interactions we did, then it was, mm-hmm. hey, we want, I want to retain your services. You seem like a trustworthy group. You know, I need some loyal folks. Can I count on you to kind of do that in return? You know, you can operate out of here, blah, 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 blah. You know, and I've got staff that look over to place, security, whatever. We're like, man, yeah, this is cool. Absolutely. So that's an,
1: in, that's an in-game, non-experience point-based reward. Y- yes. <clears throat> which is a cool thing that you can do as a game master. We talked about this. I cannot recall which episode and you know what to do. If you don't remember what episode it is, you start at one and listen forward. But we talked about this before is the, it's that concept of um, giving someone title or access to a thing or whatever it is. And this, these safe places can be a wonderful opportunity. We had this in Sean, when you were running us through the kind of hex crawl, I did for a little bit with five E we we went, we did a job yep. for that one uh, outpost. And because we did the job for the outpost, saved the wife, <clears throat> took care of things, made everybody safe and comfortable. Like, look, anytime you guys need a place to go, you're in with us. We got you covered. It wasn't, you know, initially free room and board forever, but we at least had a place to go that they would always look out for us. And that was because of the actions we took in game that we were given that privilege. That's right. So I think one of the coolest parts... If the players, depending on the nature of the game, in a game like Vampire or Amber or um, shit, even in my Bad Magic game and so forth, one of the things that the players do is they try to find such a place immediately. If they don't have it built into their character story, their home where their apartment is or something, that's in that modern type of settings. Where do you operate out of? You're not just um, uh, mercenaries. They were real people in the Chicago areas, Are the characters, and <clears throat> where do you live became part of the backstory question. In a D&D game, a lot of times you're a random adventurer or Dungeon Co-classics or whatever. You may be from the town, but one of the <coughs> biggest rewards you can get, God, excuse me, is something that get, makes you stay safe. A place you can go that lets you lick your wounds, heal up, have those out-of-game moments, and count your gold pieces, get healing, go to the cleric, do something there. So I have found that a lot of times, even if they don't recognize it as a reward necessarily, but when they've done something really cool, like like your Mrs. Johnson did for you in the uh, <clears throat> losing it Shadowrun game, yep. um, just saying, hey, y'all done good. Here's a thing for you. That's huge. That could be a really big thing. Now, granted, you fuck it up. It can get taken away from you. And the other thing it does is it makes you beholden to the person or persons who granted you that thing.
0: Yeah. And there was an arrangement like that when we talked to this NPC, it was, I'm kind of being flippant about it. Like, Hey, why don't you just, Hey, you can base your operations out of here. Sound good. Okay. Sounds great. You know, there was dialogue and then there was more of a retention, like I want to retain your services. And I'm going to pay you to do jobs for me, you know, blah, blah, blah against this gang or these gangs. And, um, they're coming down on me. I need stuff done.
1: I need to do wherever to find you at any time. And if you're
0: here, I can find you all the time. Right. And, and also, you know, I, I want to provide, you know, this place for you, you know, you can store equipment. I mean, they had, she had gear in the basement. I mean, you could open up the wall and there's weapons and guns and all this other stuff as it is in Shadowrun. Um, so yeah, yeah. So there was a dialogue and it was kind of like, I thought it was, I thought Jimmy did a good job of putting that in front of us and then us taking advantage of it. And then there was the night that all hell
1: broke loose. Of course. Yep. In one of my Avalon games or a couple of them, the characters have had uh, homes or places that they operate out of. One of them, they ended up with a bar called the, uh, the lucky dog, which was named after the, uh, ugly ass three-legged dog that lived there with one eye and one ear and three legs and no tail. Call it lucky. Cause why wouldn't you? Um, because he's not dead. <clears throat> Cause he's not dead. Exactly. Right. Yeah. So <laughs> they start, we just started like this place and Lenny's character goes, I'm going to buy it. He makes up, he gets enough money. He gets the guy in trouble. He ends up with the property. And then it became a place that when they killed a Gorgon in the underground streets, um, the big metallic bull from D and D, they cut a head off and get a taxidermy and bring it and hang it over the fireplace. As you it do, it became a, <laughs> exactly as you do. Hell, if I had a Gorgon head, I'd totally do that. But they, um, those places become a cool thing also where the players are doing stuff with it. You know, you have a you have a keep, you have a thing, and they're like, this would go good over the mantle. This would go good outside the doors. And it sounds kind of cliche, but that's fun. It can be a lot of fun to deal with equipping the safe house, equipping the safe place, the safe zone for your characters. And that also, I encourage that stuff, right? Because that makes it all the more Impressive on the players when I fucking burn it down <laughs> and they're like, God damn it. You know, we spent a year in game time building this thing up and I forgot, you know, I, I pissed off this bad guy and he lit the place on fire. We barely got it put out, blah, blah, blah. It becomes a lot more, there's a lot more buy-in there as opposed to just some town or some bar. You know, even if they don't own it, they get to know the bartender, they get to know the wait staff. And when you know these people, their problems become your problems the you know when the press gang is uh yelling at the the cook because he can't you know he's making bad bets or you know the I should say not press gang but the gambling uh syndicate is after him and so some press gang tries to grab you know the, you know the, the guy who just mucks mucks through the stables and try to press him into service somewhere you got to stop that you got to deal with that these great little one-off adventures you can do tied to that safe zone
0: I just want to say That I look forward to playing an interior decorator in one of your campaigns, Brett.
1: It's actually, it's a prestige class. I only run it in uh, systems with prestige classes. You have to spend a lot of, a lot of time and money.
0: It's difficult. I would expect no less. Yes. Yeah.
1: The weird, the goofy part of course, is you need 10 levels of fighter first. Ooh. Yeah, I know. It's hard.
0: I would have picked Bard,
1: but. Nope. No, Bard comes after. I see. Yes uh so oh, the the other thing i was gonna say is um (laughs) like any like anything else we touched on this before is word of warning is don't overdo the whole it's always safe nothing bad ever happens there if it's always safe all the time and the group can always get there no matter what that's that's a computer game right that's that's diablo two or one i think that's a bad idea in brett's mind i think that's bad the other bit is you can't always burn down every safe house they have all the time. At least not right away. Oh, come on. <laughs> you have to got to give it right? time. You
0: got to give it time. Really? Right. How right. how long? Like every uh, <laughs> Like every other session or nice. It's got to be. I mean, how? I mean, if you play like 4 hours, can you do it every 2? Well, yeah, I'd, I'd say every 2. Sweet yeah, about that. I can little okay.
1: that. Well, you know what I'm saying though. I, do. If, and I think I think it's important though because sometimes you'll get it's like It's like a dog with a toy, like, Ooh, this is a lot of fun. Oh, this was great. They had a safe house. I burned it down. And that becomes fun for a while. But after a bit, the player's like, I'm not fucking doing that again. You know, again, if you want to have a game where nowhere is safe, you are constantly on the run. You are Jason Bourne and the fucking, you know, you know, uh, Blackbriar is hunting you. They're coming after you. Treadstone's looking to find you. Okay. That's fine. But that's a tone that that's of the game that you're running with right out of the gate. If it's not like that, um, it might even, I guess even if it's going to turn into that, perhaps the destruction of the safe zone is a key to the players like, look, flip, now nowhere is safe. You thought you had safety, you don't anymore. It can be a great um, end of that first book, end of that first big chapter or section of the game where you go, oh my God, everything just expanded into something else. It's a beautiful trigger that, fuck, what we thought was just a dungeon crawl turned into this huge you know, wizard war that we just thrust ourselves into. Oh my God, it could be a totally different thing. I think it can be a great cue.
0: Jimmy, Jimmy had us raided. Did he? Well, and the thing like, is with a club in Shadowrun, there's going to be people in and out, right? I mean, you get it in the front room, you know, there's music and DJ and dark and strobe lights and, you know, people are coming in through the ropes and not through the ropes. And well, while one night, you know, we got a gang came in and just, I mean, it was the Matrix gun scene, man. They came in and just started unloading everywhere.
1: Oh, damn.
0: Yeah. And so bullets were flying. Everybody was hitting the dirt. And all the player characters were like, holy, you know, it was literally like, holy shit, is hitting the fan. And so we were all like, okay, let's roll. A lot of guys were pinned down. A lot of guys injured, out of action. We either killed them or they ended up fleeing, but they ended up killing the nightclub owner. So oh my God. I'm, yeah. One of the major NPCs that gave us that kind of solace and that safe zone now is dead. And now it's like, now it's personal. So then there's a whole Absol- other,
1: yes. there's a story <clears throat> plot. The lover.
0: Yeah. There's a storyline. Now we can go now who owns the club? And then how does that affect where we, do our base of operations thing. So that's kind of a dynamic that comes into play in that story. And then also finding out who murdered, you know, we, we know the gangs, right. We can pick out their colors or whatever, but it's who, who made the call now. Who's behind
1: it. Yeah. Who, who called it in. Yeah.
0: You know, so then that takes off into another direction. That's on top of all the other crap we're dealing with from just her sending us on missions. And and I tell you,
1: even if you, Step out from that if you have a game that has a mechanic that's tied to safety, so your gumshoe games um, especially like Nice black agents um, or trailer Cthulhu you have solace you have things that are your your connections to reality and stability right so when that shit's taken away from you if you have this place that's stable to you is your uncle um, uncle George's cabin in northern Minnesota. And he and your aunt uh, Josephine are always there. It's great. They're retired. You can always go there and rest and relax. It's the place to go. Brett, so you're globe-trotting.
0: You should yeah. really change the names. I should. Uh, I should change the names you to should, protect the innocent. That's right. <laughs> change the names of your aunt and your uncle. <sighs> oh well, uh, they, they've had a good run. there. So own. when Brett anyway. goes up north, <laughs> so when Brett goes up north, everybody knows why, right? Well, oh, see, it,
1: it's a it's a dodge because I actually go to Michigan. I'm telling everyone it's Minnesota, but they won't know it's actually Michigan. Yeah. So see, look at that.
0: Good, good, good way to go, buddy.
1: See, anyway,
0: way to keep it on the download. Don't tell anybody like on a podcast or anything. No, why would you? That'd be stupid. That would be just ridiculous. (laughs) It's dumb enough to do
1: that. So, but when that's taken away, it's not only like, God damn it. Now it's personal. It's like, God damn it. I don't have that thing anymore for a game. It's a resource. It's a mechanic in the game that you can no longer tie into. So it's very, that can make it even more personal, obviously for that character. Um, But that's another reason as a game master, you need to be very careful with how you take that stuff away, because that could be a thing that now if the player was crazy, Sean's got that. Ooh, fuck him! It's uh, like, I could really not crush him. If the player was crazy and did something dumb and you're like, look, I- I'm sorry, you know, you know, Phil, you were running really hot and loose and you were just kind of, you didn't bother to check your back trail and you went to the church to talk to the Padre. Who's one of your points of stability. Guess who got killed? Phil. God ah, damn. I never should have done it. Oh, now it's personal. I lost this thing. If it's capricious death, like, hey, guess what? Boom, I snuffed out your priest. Ha, 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 fuck you. Obviously, that's never fun. That's a different, different issue. But when it's tied to a mechanic in the game to help somebody refresh a pool or um, uh, stability or sanity and so on and so forth, it's even more important, I guess, from a game mechanic perspective. Because there's a thing in there that says, hey, do this to get stuff back. Boom, you just lost it, dumbass. Oh, shit. I never should have done that. Sorry, Sean, go.
0: So when your players... End up having too much of everything, and you really want to like nerf your campaign, man. Start taking shit. Just find them a safe haven, make sure they think it's safe. They can leave shit there, and then burn that mother to the ground. (laughs) (laughs) I'll tell you, hey, uh, what about this? What about, oh, dude, you don't have it anymore. It's gone.
1: So, one of my favorite, I was telling the guys at QCC this this last weekend. Because Chris asked me, what do you talk about the show when I mentioned this topic to him? And I said, so one of my favorite things that happened, I was running a vampire game. And one of the guys who had played with us for a bit, Gary, was sitting there and uh, he decided to make this vampire who was a football player superstar. Famous. Everybody knows me. He's got money and houses and cars and helicopters, just tons of shit. I'm like, fine. Don't care. Spend you all your points there. So <laughs> this character, Gracie, dumps all these points into this stuff. And the other players that have been with me for years, wisely go shaking their heads like, you'll learn. And lo and behold, about five or six sessions in, he had fucked up, made some bad enemies with some gangsters. And guess what started to go away? All the shit that I could take. So resources, the points and resources start taking a dip. Doesn't have access to this anymore. This resource is dead. This contact is no longer there. This isn't there. This isn't there. He turns to Alpha and goes, fuck, I'm losing all this stuff. This all my damn. I never should have spent points on that. And Alpha looks up at him and says, you never, ever spend points on stuff Brett can take away. He just shook his head, went right back to working on what he was working on. So it's kind of, it kind of goes to the, uh, the John Wick play dirty concept, right? Where like, you're going to hit them where it hurts. And sometimes where it hurts has nothing to do with their hit points. That's right. You know, yeah. take all their
0: shit, man. Take it, burn (laughs) it to the ground, man. have it stolen and ripped away and used against them. Yeah. Cause nothing makes players happier than that stuff.
1: Exactly. Now, again, the point is, is if you do it too far all the time, everyone's like, yep, can't do that. Brett will just take your shit, chew it up, spit it out. No good.
0: It's what, you know, in all honesty, it's better if you only do it the one, one or two times, like only the one time oh, totally. in yeah. a long time. Cause then they get really settled and complacent and they, they, they get all trusty.
1: I'll tell you there, there is a tendency though, in Brett's head to go, I should do, I should burn it down. Burn I it. should totally burn it down. My inner game master pyromaniac steps up, and goes, D- you know what you could do, Brett? You could burn down everything Angela and Sean built. You could totally do that. Right. You could make them cry. Yeah. And then I'm thinking, wait a minute, wait a minute. When did Magic items still last... burn. Oh, exactly. shit. Shit, I got I did that the that. last two ep- and, uh, campaigns. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to let them keep the safe house. It was like touch and go. They would come up, maybe have to fend off the safe house, but they always maintained it, right? I did that a couple of times. And then the players are, then they're like, okay, who knows? It's not like dead babies in Brett's game where you're up to your ass and dead babies. Um, so, <laughs> which again, as I said before, overusing anything, any trope, any concept. Any shtick is bad. This is another one of those things. If you always take away everything that they have, it becomes boring. If you give them opportunities to, you know, think you might take it away, but then <clears throat> fight, fight, fight. No, see, I kept it. Ha <laughs> ha! I beat you. I beat your Brad. I totally kept my stuff. Man, it was a tough fight, but Sean Angela kept it all together. Great, cool. You know, and then maybe Phil loses something, but he fights and he gets it back. You know, that's that's cool. But if all you do is one where it's always safe or two where it's always taken away from you bad. Yeah. It's just, I mean, it, it sounds, it sounds cliche. It sounds very obvious. We say it out loud, but it's, it bears, it bears saying out loud. Don't do it all the time. And, uh, you can, it, it's a great tool. I really think safe zones are a great tool for players and game masters.
0: Well, and you can me- mechanic it up if you need to, or how? like, even if it's, there's no rule written, like Brett hinted at it earlier, where let's say you, if you go back I mean, as a GM, DM, you can sit back and say, if they go back, in my mind, if they go back to the safe house during the day so many times without, I don't know, doing a stealth check or being cautious, every time they do it, it the percentage gets higher that somebody's going to track them back there. It's a clock,
1: right? It's right. a clock. And the only way the clock goes tick in their disfavor right. is when they don't do it right.
0: Right. So yeah, they maybe tick off the wrong people and then they get tailed. And if they don't keep track of that, eventually they're going to get lead people back to that place. You know, maybe they don't go there that often. Right. So if you want to play safe, maybe there's a spy that only goes to the one location in the middle of the woods where they've got a cabin and they've got a false floor and they open up the floor and there's a huge cache of weapons and a passport and a thousand bucks in cash or 10 grand in cash and a duffel mm-hmm. bag, they shove it all in there and they never go there except when they're on the outs, right. When they're burned. Yep. Then that's okay. But if they're going to take advantage of it all the time, like it's a hotel,
1: that's eventually
0: different. you, you put the smash down on them and, and you do it mechanically. You could even say,
1: yep. Yep. Get set a clock. Click, right. click, click, click. click. Yep. So if you think, if um, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen, I am, I am legend with Will Smith. Um, the when it all goes to hell is when Will Smith ends up back at his safe house and the p- person who took him there didn't use the vinegar solution or what I can't remember what it is specifically to wipe his scent. And guess what? The creatures find his fucking house. Yeah. And they've it, been looking for him for a while. The one time <clears throat> the precaution wasn't taken and he'd been building up a pissing off the creature's perspective for a long time. So the clock in that case would go ticky, 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 tick. And guess what? Oh, Someone else took you home. They didn't know the safety precautions flick, you know, two, three, four, five clicks of that clock. And boom, next thing, your house is getting torn apart.
0: Yeah. And it could be even just, maybe it's like death saves in five E right. Three in a row. If it's, yes. if it's res- could totally be like that, if it's reset, you know, maybe they make a save, then it's reset. But if they fail three times in a row and they don't, they don't need to know, like the DM could roll behind the screen, ask the players, right? Cause the players will I like say, that, Well I like that right, idea. Yeah, the players always that. the players you know, the players will argue, well, we always do that. So just maybe as a GM, give them the benefit of the doubt, roll it behind the screen, use one of their skills as the like maybe it's the highest, maybe it's the lowest person's skill. You're always rolling that. And if <clears throat> I'll they, tell you what,
1: even if they even if you made them roll it out, sure. if you you going back home, make an X check. Right to make sure you went back and used the right precaution. Sure, you
0: can do it out in the open too.
1: And they go, Oh, I failed. Okay. Then you move the clock.
0: Right. How many ticks do we get?
1: I'm not telling you. Right. I mean, well, that itself, true. that itself makes the paranoia go higher too. I know I fucked
0: up and I have no idea how bad it's going to be yet. Well, and they could wonder, is it three fails? Is it three fails in a row? Is it five within an X amount of time? Is it five within so many yeah. roles? I mean, which is
1: a great way to get their paranoia going, right? Cause it's a safe house. It's a safe zone. Right. And, uh, if you want to have that pressure of maybe, maybe not. Right. Good way to go. Yeah. We good? I think we're good, man. Let's move it on. All hey, right. on, as we always say, though, if you've used safe zones, safe houses and so forth in different or better ways, you like hate what we said. You got a better way to do it. You want to call BS on us? Do it. Get us back and uh, we'll throw you into into the old uh, random encounter and uh, we'll deal with it then.
0: Yeah, move by all on. means. Let us know how you handle it or if you've had some cool Cool, yes. safe houses, safe places, and how you've run those before. All right, die roll. Two to four miscellaneous points of gaming and geekery we want to share with you. Brett's got four. Brett's brought a, a normal, like he's brought his A-game a, on a, I, brought this.
1: A, I brought my normal workload, too. Actually. Guys
0: like off for four days, five days for a con, he comes back with four die rolls. I don't get I
1: just, it. I'm just feeling refreshed, man. Nothing
0: happens in a week. Brett doesn't have any. I don't get it.
1: Yeah, it's because I slack off.
0: I got three. Brett.
1: All right, so I think I talked about this before, but there, um, all clowns will be arrested. South Carolina police chief vows to arrest anyone who dresses like a clown.
0: Do it
1: <laughs> exactly. God, I hate clowns. I like it's illegal. It's dangerous. It's inappropriate. And it's creating community concern. So it needs to stop. What he's talking about is that there have been a number of children in the in the that have claimed, and other adults have claimed this that. People dressed as clowns near the woods and this near this Greenville apartment place. There's been clowns. People dressed as clowns trying to entice children to come into the woods. So, okay. First off, that's motherfucking creepy. And if it is exactly what I hope to God, it's not. If it's as bad as I think it could be, then stop these motherfuckers because that's horrible. Yeah. From a game twisting perspective, it's this is something you take into call Cthulhu or a esoteric or something along those lines. It's nasty. It's bad. Um, I honestly hope it's some bizarre twisty prank. I'm not looking. Obviously, I don't want anyone hurt. Right. That'd be bad. But anyway, it's gameable. It's uh, it, it may unfortunately be a horrible thing. It might be one of those things that is quite possibly X card worthy for some groups or folks out there. But I want to call it out. Um, so I had gotten into the Blades in the Dark Kickstarter a while back. It's my number two. And uh, he's late. Mr. Harper is late. I was getting kind of pissy. I talked to Harper and uh, very professionally. Nice back. I had voice my concerns. He said, I get it. I understand. I've made some mistakes, so on and so forth. He was super, um, super nice. Very uh, professional back to me. Very um, quick to get back to me as well. We changed uh, changed um, IMs through Kickstarter in the same day, which is really nice. I was expecting I was going to fire something. I like, ah, fuck, he's never going to back to me. Boom. Harper gets right back to me. Good back and forth. So by the time this drops, it should be um, should be live. But it looks like Blades in the Dark is going to partner with Evil Hat to do their print and distribution, which is awesome. Evil Hat knows how to do this shit. So I think the last legs, the last big um, missing piece for the Blades in the Dark Kickstarter will be well in hand. So I'm once again excited about the Kickstarter. I would kind of lost my zip for it. Uh, Sean uh, Wayne and a couple others I talked about, I was kind of pissed. Like, I don't even fucking care about the game anymore. So I'm like, you know what? screw this i'm going to go talk to harper and i did talk to john harper as i said so anyway hopefully this would be a good move i'm seeing what he put out better clearer communications and everything over there so kudos to john harper to listening to me and other people who had voiced issues and uh to his credit dude stepped up he's getting it done
0: so he mess yeah he messaged everybody on the kickstarter and said here's the deal and he announced yep. the the partnership <laughs> with evil hat and even stipulated they're going to help me get back on track you yes, know he did. we're going to get back on timelines so i think my interpretation of that is, John was doing what he could, fell behind, probably got overwhelmed. A lot of people probably I, I th- up a lot stuff for one man shop, right? Right. People expressing concern. Mm-hmm. He probably was like, "Holy shit, this is like becoming a serious thing." Uh, Evil Hat. However, they got into contact with each other. I'm sure Evil Hat was like, "It's a really good product." Probably wanted to help him out. Mm-hmm. They've got project managers. Sean Nittner does a lot of project management for those guys on a contract basis, but Evil Hat is even stepping up their game. So yes, I should have probably put that as one of my die rolls. Uh, Fred Hicks put out an announcement basically <clears throat> saying, here's what we want to do with Evil Hat because we've done this and we've done that. And we've kind of explored, well, what do we do? Like, do we want to continue doing this? What's kind of our our direction? And so he outlined how they've hired some full-timers and they're, you know, going to be doing partnership probably with people like John that.
1: You know, I, I'm projects. positive that yeah. that announcement had a lot to do with it. Yeah. I think the, the two are closely tied.
0: Well, you know, it's like, hey, we can help you if you let totally. us. And, yeah. you know, we think you got a good product and let's, let's collaborate, get it out the door, you know, and everybody will win. Absolutely. So good for John for recognizing that.
1: Oh, totally. He could have, he could have pulled a far West and just be kicking, screaming and pissing people off continually. He actually stepped in and uh, stepped up, I should say, and acknowledged and is doing stuff to fix it. I love it. It's good. That makes me again, as I say, it gets my faith back. Sure. So next up is there's an interview with Mike Pondsmith, the creator of cyberpunk, cyberpunk 2020 link in the show notes that's out there. And I also have a link to a Dr. Doom cosplay, which is uh, Dr. Doom is one of my favorite comic villains of all time. And it looks fucking amazing. The dude, the costuming he did on that is just rocking. Take a look at it. Link in the show notes. It's awesome. Dr. Doom is just, he's so cool. Sean, your turn.
0: Uh, first one, wisdom save, game master ideas, tips and tricks for tabletop RPGs. Link I- the link in the show notes will be to the dungeon category on the blog. And when you go there, there's, I don't know, five entries. But literally you click on it, gives you a map of a dungeon all the encounters, what it's fielded, even what to read to the players. Um, so it's kind of like a dungeon. You go there and it's one shop dungeon. Here you go. All for free. Um, there's some other resources on there. I think it's worth checking out. Um, by all means, I, I, I
1: don't know. That looks pretty cool. I was just poking around in there where you're talking. That looks nice.
0: Yeah. Check it out. Uh, number two, Pathfinder meets Cthulhu. Now this is about, uh, this is a couple weeks old. I think it was, Released in August on their blog. Um, so it's New Strange Eon's six-month adventure path pits the heroes of the Pathfinder role-playing game against Lovecraftian Cosmic Horrors. So I thought, you know, that was That's right up my alley. pretty cool if Paizo to actually do that. And it's, it'll be Pathfinder and Lovecraft. Boom. Pretty cool. Very cool. Two great flavors that probably go good together.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you if you want to punch Cthulhu in the face, Pathfinder will help you get a character that's absolutely tough enough and feed it up enough. He could punch Cthulhu in the fucking that's, face. That's true. Although God forbid that Cthulhu is, a,
0: <laughs> I can't, can't imagine Pathfinder what the, up Cthulhu. You know, Jesus Christ, what do his stats look like? I can't imagine. That's got to be the end game, right? The end, it's be. last module, big bad. You're gonna have to beat up Cthulhu. Wow.
1: Well, as I've said, I mean, you and I have talked about this. I mean, Pathfinder may not be our bag right now, right? But, uh, God damn, I had some good times playing it, so I'm not going to bash it. I'm not going to bash it.
0: Um, and my last one, Adventures in Middle-Earth Player's Guide. So, we probably announced this when... Uh, yep, we talked about that earlier. Cubicle 7. Yeah, so the Player's Guide is out in PDF right now. I think it was released like two days ago, and this is September 12th. So, yeah, you can check that cool. out. If you want to do 5e and Middle-Earth role-playing, it's available now.
1: Very cool. Uh, listeners, we had Kev Lovecraft pointed out to us 25 miles of forgotten tunnels in Germany. Link in the show notes. This is the type of thing that's just, again, it's super, super gameable. It's like the tunnels under Paris, all the stuff that's out there. If you're a Lovecraft fan, you've, you've got a great place to st- to stick your ghouls and weird underground cultists. Matter of fact, you put your ghouls underground cultists no matter what game you're running. It's just really, really cool. And when it's real, um, as Ken Height would tell you, start with Earth and go from there because Earth has lots and lots of cool shit. And here you go. One more example. Last one is Matt Bonhoff tells us about uh, Himmler's Witches Library. Um, so that was found in the Czech Republic. I think we had a, I want to believe we had a uh, a die roll about something similar, but I don't, I think it was somewhere in South America versus this one. But regardless, this was a damn good find. Thank you, Mr. Bonhoff and Mr. Lovecraft for calling those out to us.
0: Yeah, thank you.
1: Oh, we should also thank illiterategamer.com. They sent us some free t-shirts. We already thought I'd thank
0: those guys. Oh, like, well, you
1: had them on here. I just You had it on here again. So did I'm I really? Sure. No, it's totally we,
0: on there again. I'm looking right at it. Dude, you copy the same note template from week know, to week. God, to take uh, it off. I'm a dick. Wow, well, those guys are good guys. Hopefully, <laughs> they they're are still listening
1: good Guys, those. Absolutely. And one more time, um, Wayne and uh, and the boys over at uh, Misdirected Mark, um, I'm talking about Advantage to Insight. We talk about Misdirected Mark a lot. There's other shows in their um, in their little uh, da, 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 da. what the hell is the term you are telling me it's a podcast network podcast network there we go in the network advanced insight is one of them visionary comms is the other place where you can find Wayne if you're not following him on Google Plus or whatnot do so uh, get out there and take a look at these folks they are great they're a lot of fun and uh, as I said at the top of the show listen to advanced insight I like the show. I like their, I like their format. I like their back and forth. I think they've got some cool stuff. And uh, after talking to Wayne in person at QCC, I would love to just sit down with, uh, with those two guys and just shoot the shit with them. I think it would be great. That's awesome. It's a great, it's a good show. Give them, a, give them a listen. See what you think.
0: And with that, this episode of uh, Gaming NBS sponsored by Gamehole Con, a gaming convention. In case you haven't heard about it, yeah, wanna... somebody should mention that. It's uh, GameCon in November, first weekend, here in Madison, Wisconsin. Uh, Get your ass to GameholeCon. Visit GameholeCon.com. For more information, thanks for sponsoring the show, Alex, and the Gamehole folks. Uh, Otherwise, um, what are we talking about next week, Brett? I'm thinking next week we might talk about
1: um, Evil Games, or I might do something a little bit different. I'm not sure. I was also thinking about diceless RPGs. I don't know, man. I got a couple things around, knocking around the old noggin. You know what you're going to have to do, Sean? You're going to have to tune in and listen and find out just what the hell we bring up. That's what's going to happen.
0: Oh, okay. Oh, that sounds great. Um, for those of you that are out there that have spread the word, thank you very much. We much Absolutely. appreciate it. No, it's great.
1: Between that and the awesome reviews we get on iTunes and other places, um, the BSers, man, you guys are awesome. We say this all the time, um, and it's it's true. I mean, it's just it's
0: great. Otherwise, so, thank you all. yes. Go ahead, Brad. Thank you. Brad. No, that's it. Just thank you all. That's all I had. All right. Then with that, I can't top that. Um, I'm one of your hosts, Sean.
1: And I'm Brett. Good night. Good game and all.
0: Gaming and BS produced with the help from the following patrons. Christian Sexy Voice Serrano, Kevin Lovecraft, Joe Swick, Brett's Biggest Fan, Steve Day, Jeff Rademacher, Forrest Degary, Mark Anthony Benedetti, Bruce Cunnington, Eric Jefferson, Andy Hall, Misdirected Mark Productions, Sean Nicholson, Tim Jensen, Chris Steele, Old School DM, Knights of the Night Crew, Palladian, Jason the Beard Blaylock, Remy Billado, Jason Hobbs Hobbs, Merkel Froilich, Wayne Lumrunner Humfleet, James Carpio, Not nah Caprio, Mark Tisaka, Tony Baker, Not So Pure Mongrel, Lord Tentacle, Brett Pazinski. Corey Johnston Tim Shorts Eric Tankar and Brandon Barnes consider becoming a patron for the cost of a coffee shop coffee you can support the show for an entire month whoa